Welcome to the Shifting Sandland. It's the Review New Podcast. I'm DJ. I'm Evan. And this is the podcast where we typically look back at our favorite filmmakers, filmographies, and talk about them through a modern lens. Uh, but today we are doing a request for uh, Dennis Villeneuve's uh, Dune. Uh, requested by Dr. Goatman Dr. once Goatman. again. Doctor, we're just the puppets on the string that Dr. Goatman is pulling. Right. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for your request. If you'd like to make a request as well, uh, hit up ko-fi.com slash rapcritic. Uh, there you can request uh, movies, uh, songs, or album streams uh, on my Twitch for... Well, album streams as well as just like general music streams. I need to just say music streams because you can request uh, album streams or you can request, like, best of uh, certain artists. Like, I like doing stuff like that, uh, especially if it's, like, hip-hop artists, you know, like, going through, all right, what's their actual best stuff? You know what I mean? Um, as well as, well, no, I, I already said that, the Twitch streams. Well, anyway, get with it, act like you want it. Uh, and also, uh, if you want to do ongoing support, because Kofi's the one-time support, if you want to do ongoing support, go to patreon.com slash rapcritic. Uh, where when you join, you get to see Rap Critic episodes early, you get to see reviewer new episodes, uh, exclusive episodes that you don't see uh, live, and, uh, well, on the on the main feed where I upload these, and uh, you also get to join the Rap Critic Discord, where you can chat with me and fellow fans, and we talk about music and movies and share memes with each other. So, yeah, get with it, act like you want it. Uh, but now let's get into this freaking movie, Dune. Okay, so what is your history with Dune, I want to ask? Oh, boy. Okay, so when I heard Dune was requested, I was like, oh, man, this is a whole thing. So, <laughs> first of all, um, Dune is a whole thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is like, Dune is just about, like, Star Wars in terms of just the amount of material, the uh-huh. history of it. Um, we're not going to be, obviously, getting into a huge, long history and yeah, deep dive yeah. on Dune. Um, I will say the podcast, uh, Wizard and the Bruiser on the last podcast network has a good series on like a deep dive into the books. Cool. Cool. So, um, well, I, 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 now as someone who I, I don't have any history with it at all. So I'm just I, going into this movie. I was just like yeah. watching it for the first so time. I, yeah. I have read the first book. I haven't read any of the sequels. I read the first book. Um, and it was a while ago. I don't, you know, I, I'm not like one of those readers who just has the memory for every little detail mm-hmm. in something. So um, I, I'm honestly a little bit like, oh, come in. Not because I don't like it, but because Zoe, get out of his yeah. <laughs> Zoe. My cat's trying to eat DJ's breakfast. Oh, but that's close. Um, okay. So uh, <laughs> she's just stalking around. Um, but so. You know, it, it's it can be a little intimidating because anybody who's like super into Dune, you know, will I'm sure there's going to be something where they're like, well, actually, did you know that? Um, you know, I know that you're saying that the shields work this way, but actually, in um, Children of Dune, they established that. So, look, yeah. I haven't read the sequels. You haven't read any of the books. No, right? yeah, yeah, I haven't so, watched the movies before. Okay, another, no. I read I read the first book once. And I have seen the David Lynch movie, and I've also seen the documentary Jodorowsky's. What? Jodorowsky's. Oh. How the fuck do you say that? Jodorowsky. It's not like you were saying the rural juror. I'm sorry. I'm saying his name wrong because I can't remember how to say it, but Jodorowsky's Dune, which is about this other director who wanted to make a Dune movie and had like freaking like H.R. Geiger and Mobius and like all these amazing artists coming together to work on it. And then it just completely fell apart and it didn't happen and wow. David Lynch made it instead. 
Um, that one's really worth watching. Really fascinating. Uh, yeah, and I hear also about the, it's like It's not an adaptation. It's a documentary <laughs> about a failed adaptation by a director <laughs> who... Here's the thing that's funny to me. Like, the this guy, th- this director was asked to make an adaptation of Dune. Never read the book. Like, didn't... It was like, mm, that's the story. Okay, I'm going to change it a little because I don't like that. <laughs> and it's so funny how weirdly human, like people like directors will be, right? Because it's like, cause it's like that feels like a lazy thing I might do in fourth grade. Oh, I've got to make a movie about it. Do I need to read right. the It's like you didn't, you didn't do your homework, man. I mean, no, literally I've done the exact same thing. Like I've written adaptations of stuff that I like kind of read the cliff notes <laughs> But it is kind of fascinating. Like in a cosmic way, it is fascinating to see like, wait, if you don't actually have all the details, what are you going to pull from it? Right. No, that is if fascinating. You're, if you're just using it as a framework. Um, so, and Anyway, so that's I've 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 seen the David Lynch movie. I've read the first book. Um, I have looked at the Dune wiki and gone, oh, oh that's a lot. Um, so, well, as I as I watched the movie and may, you know maybe I'm just a dumb. So and you're, the you're a fresh deep in baby it. virgin child yeah, coming exactly. in, and I'm I'm very curious to know your impression on things. Yeah, like when I watched the movie, like it was accessible to me. I, I felt like I understood yeah. what was happening. No, I like, think this was. I had that impression. I felt like it was a really like good I thought it was going to be this albatross of a film where it's yeah. like I don't understand, but like I think it did a really it, good job of bringing you into the world. I agree. I think it was really accessible, but I'm glad to have you confirm that because yeah. you would actually know more than I would. Um, yeah, no, I, I like it, it does feel like alternate universe Star Wars where it's just like things are just a little bit darker and look like a bit more like it, the world looks more lived in and like you know what I'm saying and not in the main and it was just so funny because there's that thing of like yeah he was supposed to do Star Wars or something well, like that the, the uh, Dune director yeah and, he, and I think David that Lynch yeah the premise of both are similar in that so Star Wars and some freaking Star Wars nerd is gonna come for me if I get this wrong <laughs> my understanding is that Star Wars is actually set in the distant future and that the no human... no no it's in the... Star Wars well, is distant past right no because so here's the thing that the 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 crawl at the beginning of the movie that says a, a long, long time, time ago, ago yeah. a long time ago in a galaxy far away however that text is from a fictional set of books that take place in the even more distant future uh-huh. so it's oh their long time ago yeah, okay. but star wars is actually set in our distant future mm. when humans have colonized other parts of the galaxy so the humans you see in star wars are actual humans like luke skywalker and han solo I see. and all them was that my phone or your I phone? think that was yours I'm sorry I see what you get that's actually um, kind of cool Yeah so like the the humans um are actually uh, are actually humans whose ancestors are from Earth. Dune is a little more explicit about that. Dune is set mm. in the distant future, and the humans are all humans descended from Earth people. Uh, but it's a little more explicit, and so like the religions um, and the cultures in Dune are evolutions of religions and cultures on Earth. So obviously, mm. um, the uh, you know the Fremen are are very obviously based on Muslims. Yeah. Now, according to the Dune Wiki, um, the primary religion in this culture is actually a blend of Islam and Buddhism. Yeah. And that the Fremen specifically are from a culture that is a blend of Sufi Islam and Zen Buddhism. Yeah. Um, that's called like Zen Sufi or something, or Zen yeah. Ufi. But 
so all these lichens of religions. Eh? I know, yeah. <laughs> I know. We were just talking, we were just like nerding out about lichens earlier. <laughs> so, um, so the so the so Islam and Buddhism mixed together are are is kind of the predominant religion, and then the predominant or and then not the predominant, but a common branch of that is Sufi Zen, which is what the Fremen practice. Um, what, what, would you say that the, uh, what is it, the Arrakis? Uh, no, the actual, well, who we say are the good guys, but we'll get into that in a minute. The Atreides? The main character. Yeah, that's the name. Uh, what, what would their religion be? Is it like Catholicism? And... Well, so the so here's the thing. Because the... they got like basically nuns, yeah. right? Like... Well, no, so, so the Bene Gesserit are not... They don't work for Atreides. They don't work for anybody. They yeah, work for themselves. Yeah, that's what I was trying to no, the yeah, Bene, yeah. So the Bene Gesserit are interesting because they're actually pseudo-religious. They come... So the Bene Gesserit are kind of like these warrior nun-scientists, but they're not really a religion. They're, they're a cult... They're a eugenics cult. Yeah, because they're and trying so to they're, make the perfect leader, they're trying right? To breed. <laughs> so, and this is interesting. And so, there's also like, so there's obviously some like they feel like a, an order of Catholic nuns. They yeah. have like an order of Catholic nuns feeling, except that they, except that rather than being, uh, rather than being celibate, the nuns go yeah. out and get pregnant in order to. You know, continue this breeding program. Yes, so to, to breed the perfect savior. The, the Kwisatz Haderach. Mm. So here, there's Jewish influence also. Um, weirdly, well, no. So Kwisatz Haderach. Yeah, so Kwisatz Haderach is what is the perfect person they're trying to breed. The perfect. So part of why Paul Paul Atreides. Is we're just like diving right into it. Yeah, let's go and spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, like, yeah, get into it. So, Paul Atreides is the main character who is played by um, uh, Kyle MacLachlan in the David Lynch one and is played by uh, Timothy Chalamet Chalamet. here. Timothy Chalamet, Mm. who is, I think, better cast than McLaughlin yeah, was because he's, like, like he's supposed to be 15 and look really young for his age and, and Chalamet looks like a kid yeah. more than McLaughlin did. Um, but so he is the son of, of one of the Bene Gesserit women. Now, the he wasn't supposed to be born. He wasn't supposed to be born as a son because they the Kwisatz Haderach, which, just side note, and I don't know exactly why... Frank Herbert, the author, did this, but the word kvisatz haderek is from the Talmud. It means shortening of the way or condense or quickening of the way. Oh, and it basically refers to um, Jewish teleportation. Oh. It like literally, it's like in the Talmud is like rabbis teleporting. So that, I don't know. Sci-fi rabbis. I, eh? <laughs> I, I don't know why that was the name of the like. Well, Ubermensch that the Bene Gesserit are trying to breed? Well, now that I'm thinking about it, the, the reason why I, 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 like that feels like that actually might track to me is because it's like, the idea is like, it's supposed to be taking this much longer a time, and it's supposed to be like this guy who comes along later, and it can't be this person. Yeah. But then you're surprising us that it is? Ah, uh, well, oh, I don't yeah. know. That, you know, because it seems like that's that... That's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's what so, I'm thinking about. So like, um, oh shit, shit, uh, there was a the way I was going to say, oh yeah, like, 
you know, if we are to have the assumption that, like, you know, a creator inspired these religions, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's the idea that, like, you know, sometimes within these religions, things don't go the way humans expect them to. Mm-hmm. But then we have that pushback of, like, but no, I wanted it to go this way. And it's yeah. like, well, but if it goes this way, then how are you going to react to it, people? You know, like, and it just sees, like, you know, it reveals the, people's character, right? Like, Yeah, and so... Um, it's fascinating to see how the, this movie plays with stuff like that. Uh, what, what What is that word? Um... Uh, 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 like chosen one narratives, you know, like oh, this person is supposed to be the guy who does this, right? Like, um, um, and, and uh, yeah, I like how they play with it narratively in terms of like there will be moments in the movie where it's like, oh, he has these premonitions, yeah, but it's never one hundred percent like kind of clear. Well, so and then that, it'll be like, oh, yeah. wait, does it go this way or that way? So, and it actually does kind of like involve choice. Like a, a lot of these chosen one narratives, you know, the simple version mm-hmm. of it is you're just supposed to do this, well, <laughs> you know. And, but with this, it's like, well, will he do? Yeah. This? Yeah, and the, and the premonitions are interesting. We'll get into that because that's something I feel like wasn't super clear in the movie. Uh. Um, so the yeah, we've got a lot of messiah narratives basically yeah. because there's the Kwisatz uh, Haderach that the Bene Gesserit are trying to breed essentially as this sort of ubermensch who um, is supposed to be male, and there aren't supposed to be any male before him, and it wasn't supposed to happen yet. So Paul being born male causes a problem for them. Um, there's also the Fremen um, have the term Lisan al-Gaib, a uh, voice from the outer world. And then also uh, later um, there's, uh, um, what is it? Uh, I don't think they get into uh, Muad'Dib. Uh, yeah, I don't think they get into Muad'Dib in this movie because the movie is like only covers like half. Oh yeah, it calls it at the uh, end of the credits, they're like, Dune. Part one. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be another one. Yeah, because this only covers like half of the, of the yeah, story of the first say. book. And I remember people saying like, that's actually um, a good move. Like the way the when they made the movie, the director was just like, okay, how about we do it like this? I'm going to give you guys half of the movie. And if you like it and if there's enough like response to it, then yeah, you make yeah, the yeah. next one. So, so, like, so Muad'Dib is actually just, I just looked it up to confirm. Muad'Dib is actually just Paul's Fremen name that he adopts later. Uh, but Lisan al-Gaib is the, is the Fremen, you know, messiah um that that they're waiting for so he's basically um so so Whoa. he's he's basically um you know a, a potentially a coming messiah on two fronts yeah and i just saw that uh, did you already say that the translation al gaib it, it translates to the unseen dimensions of reality <laughs> Oh yeah, well, so that's the term comes from Arabic, lisan meaning tongue, and al-gaib meaning the hidden or unseen. Um, and in and in the context of Islam, al-gaib signifies the unseen dimensions of reality. So this is a universe where they don't have computers. Oh yeah, and there was a thing where because they showed that one like big dude who like right. taps his ear for a so, second, and it's like because people memor- yeah, people like uh, memorize so much stuff that they don't need computers anymore right. because well, something happened not, in the past. Where yeah, they- so basically there was a big war where computers were all destroyed and. And basically, any kind of artificial intelligence has been outlawed. Mm. So they have technology, but you cannot have anything that could really be called a computer. So instead, you've got people called mentats who are trained, like the guy that, yeah, like the guy that has the, his, the little uh, line. Yeah, and his, his eyes flip back. And right. Like so they have like human computers to do calculations. 
Paul, they don't really get into this, but Paul is trained as a mentat, as a human computer. And so these dreams that he has, it's, and just to be clear, so Dune is not fantasy, Dune is science fiction. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that looks like magic, like, Paul's prophetic right. dreams. Yeah. It's not that he's like magically having magic prophetic dreams. He's his brain has been trained to play out probability scenarios. Uh -huh. And so just the way that like you could have a really advanced AI um predict weather patterns, right? Right, right? That's what his brain is doing while he's asleep because he's essentially not only has he gotten the Bene Gesserit training, but he's also trained he's gotten all this Bene Gesserit training, these warrior nuns, and we'll get into that. Um, but he's also been trained as a mentat, so he's like a human computer. So when he's having these dreams, it's like the the super intelligence in his brain doing these calculations of probability, right? So that's, that's what that is. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I didn't. I feel like I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah really, really. So, but so, it's fascinating. You say like, yeah, it's sci-fi, but it's such the strange side of it. Where like, where there's no computers, there's no like trapping of right. what we like call tech, you know, like right. super futuristic and there's, technology. There's yeah, a yeah. reason for that. So it's like organic computing, which, by the way. I gotta okay. So I've been reading this book that's been freaking blowing my mind. It's called Entangled Life, and it's by ah. a guy named Merlin Sheldrake. That is his real name. He is freaking a wizard. he's a he's a wizard. He's a fungus scientist. He's amazing, and I I want him to be my best friend and send me mushrooms. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, like so it's he's his mushroom. He's his, um, mushrooms like monk. So what I, one thing I learned, mushrooms are just the fruiting bodies of fungus. They're mm. like, it's like looking at an apple tree and calling it an apple. Uh -huh. Like the fungus is actually a whole thing. Anyway, yeah. but there is this center in the UK called like the Center for uh, Unconventional Computing. And they're making computers out of fungus. Oh. They're making computers that run on fungal behavior. The future is now. Yeah. So I, <laughs> and also this other book called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. It's this novel. It's not the one, not the movie hmm. with um, Martin Freeman and Tina Fey. Yeah, right. Anyway, no. Anyway, I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to get to this. <laughs> Where are we going? So, by the way, it is not even 10 in the morning yet. Oh, yeah, we're, we're recording this at a different we're hour. We're, we're getting morning I'm podcast just, recording. I'm yeah. just having my yeah. coffee now. Be like... Having his morning round. The morning round. Morning round up with DJ and Evan. I don't know what I did that for. Okay, so... Anyway, um, so all the computers are biological, and the navigators, and I was so disappointed we don't get to see a navigator in this one. We're going to hopefully see a navigator in the next one. The navigators are people who have taken so much spice that they basically mutate into, like, in the David Lynch one, they look like these big freaking worms, mm. but they're people that, like, have mutated into these outer space creatures that just live in tanks full of spice. Weird. And, they, and they're the ship computers, essentially. They're the... Instead of, like, in Star Trek, where you have onboard computers doing the navigation, they, they're they these creatures now... They, they used to be human, and now they're these creatures that just live in space on spice and, like... And, space, and on spice. space on spice. And they can, like, navigate between wormholes and shit. Spice so, space. That was the yeah. original uh, title. Of spice yeah. space. <laughs> um, so, navigators are cool as hell. Other people in the world, spice up your life. All right. <laughs> and very, very disturbing, and I was disappointed we didn't get to see That's one. interesting, because, like, in, are the worms on the planet are spice worms, so it's fascinating that if you take too much, you slightly start to turn into them. I never thought about that. Yeah, they do look kind of like Dune Worm a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so essentially, we've got this world, distant future. 
there's no aliens. All the people in this world are humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but humans have colonized all these different planets. There's the Emperor, and then there's all these great houses, and there's House Atreides, which is run by Duke Lido, who is played by Oscar Isaac, who I adore. Ah, he's um, great, really, he's great. And but it, yeah, but that was the thing I was thinking about. It's like, okay, so there's people on the spice world. They are humans too. They, we all came from Earth. They're all, but every, it's just that when you're so far in the future, right? Like things, they're all they're all cultures. They've all settled there. They're all descended from Earth. Everybody's a human. Nobody's an alien. Yeah. Um, so the there's basically, there's the Padishah Emperor, he's the big emperor, he's in charge of everything, and then there's other great houses, and the two main great houses that we're concerned with are House Atreides, run by Dudalito, Oscar Isaac, and that's Paul's dad, and then there's um, the Harkonnens, and the Harkonnens are disturbing as fuck, and they're run by Baron Harkonnen, Harkonnen they say Harkonnen, Harkonnen, I'm probably going to pronounce it all kinds of different ways, but mm. Har- Baron Harkonnen, who in the book is like, and explicitly like a pedophile and I don't think they get into this in the movie but he's super gross and disturbing and then he's got his two nephews and we only see one nephew in this movie Drax (laughs) (laughs) yeah Drax uh, uh, Robin the Beast yeah, yeah, Dave and he has this other nephew that we're gonna see played by Austin Butler in the next yeah. movie oh, but like, we don't yeah. see him get busy though like we don't, we don't see Dave Batista fight cause I was like oh uh, uh, Aquaman and yeah. Drax yo it's yeah. gonna be a thing and then no. it's like oh, I doesn't really get to <laughs> so there's also Fade who we don't see in this movie he's the one played by Sting in a like gold studio oh, in the yeah. David Lynch one he's gonna be played by Austin Butler in the next one so anyway so there's Baron Harkonnen the Harkonnens are super freaking evil, and they've been in charge of Arrakis, Dune, the planet that's basically the Middle East and has all the valuable resource that everybody wants. Okay, so they've been in charge of it. This so the Harkonnens have been in charge of Dune for like 80 years, and they've been like, you know, treating the Fremen like slaves. They've uh. been abusing the planet, abusing the people who live on it, being really awful, making shitloads of money, and then the Emperor up and says at the beginning of the movie, the inciting event is the Emperor goes, okay, Harkonnens, you're not in charge of Dune anymore. Get out. The Atreides are now in charge of Dune. And yeah. So the que- but my question is like, wait, why isn't the Emperor just... Like, why does he need anyone outside of him? Like, do they not have the resources themselves to fight back well, against these people? Why do they need... Why did they need for 80 years to have this guy come in and, and you know, fat guy who's really long? Like, why does he get to be in charge? <laughs> fat guy who's really long. <laughs> long, fat man. You know, like. Dude, okay, I'm sorry. Total tangent. But did you see the, like, epic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the story up, of the long, look up, long man. Look up long, long man. Look up long, long man commercials. That's all. Okay. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, he, like, hovers. He's yeah, got, like, a long yeah. dress and he hovers. But that was the thing I was thinking about. It's like, okay, so how does this work? Because at the beginning of the movie, it's like the uh, uh, Oscar Isaacs going to the, the bald well, dude and so, saying like, okay, we will now be the ones who protect you basically from these guys in exchange for some of that spice, right? Like that's essentially what's going no, on. No, right? it's, it's not protecting anybody. It's like, okay, so they're like hmm. the governors, right? So like the president is not overseeing like... Joe, Joe Biden is not coming to Maryland right. and being like, okay, you guys need to like put some more taxes towards your roads or whatever, right? We have yeah, a governor yeah, yeah, for yeah. that. Okay, right? Okay. So in the house yeah. is in... So the the Padishah Emperor is in charge of like the whole known universe. Oh. So he's not overseeing an individual planet. I'm see, okay. The, so he's putting like a house in charge of this planet, right? So I like see, the governor I of the see. Planet, okay, right? okay. So the Harkonnens 
have been in charge of Dune and spice production, and they've been really abusive to the Fremen, right? So then the Emperor says, no, 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 Harkonnen's out, Atreides in, and, you know, as it comes to pass, this is not him being nice to the Atreides, this is him fucking them over and trying to start a war because... The Emperor's trying to start a war? Right, because Duke Leto's awesome, everybody loves Duke Leto, and the Emperor's like, oh no, everybody loves Duke Leto so much, they're gonna try and, like, start following him instead of me, and so he Mm. wants to destroy Duke Leto, so he's like, okay, I'm gonna pit him against the Fremen, I'm gonna pit him against the Harkonnens, I'm gonna... Okay, see, see, this is what's fascinating, because that kind of makes the Emperor the big bad guy. Oh yeah, no, the Emperor is absolutely the big bad But it doesn't feel that way as you well, watch the movie well, you know? the Har- <laughs> it's like okay the Harkonnens so this is like this is I am not a big Star Wars person I have very limited knowledge of Star Wars you know more of a Star Wars than I am mm. so maybe this is wrong but for okay I think this yeah. comparison is going to be useful Harkonnens like Darth Vader uh-huh. The emperor is like the emperor. Uh, I get, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy who's <laughs> right. actually controlling, like, right? The, the it's like Baron Harkin is like Darth Vader. Yeah, and he, it, this is a, that's fascinating because, like, the way because okay, the way I was watching the movie, just seeing like the active characters, it, active agents in the in the story, mm-hmm. it was like this thing where I was like, oh, because we're following uh, uh you know, uh, the Atreides people, oh, they must be kind of like the good guys that we assume mm-hmm. are are good. But then you kind of, as you're watching the movie, it's like, hmm, doesn't really seem like they're framing them as like good. In fact, they seem to be neutral. In fact, they just kind of want to control this spice like as a resource. Like they don't really care about these people. And then you kind of go like, but wait, those guys just want to control the spice, and they're not really that great either. Well, and it's like, like yeah. it seems like it's like the people who are on the. What is the name of the Dune planet? Is it just Arrakis. called Dune? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like, what, what so, is Dune? Wait, is that just... It's just the sand dunes, right? Like, what is Dune? Yeah, it's... it's it just dune, means, dune is, like, sand like dunes. It's like a nickname for Arrakis. Oh, okay. So, this big dune, right? It's, like, all, it's all colonization. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all this meta word. So, like, yeah. the Atreides aren't... The Atreides aren't exactly, quote-unquote, the good guys, because they're still colonizing, but... The idea is, like, the idea is that, like, the, the Harkonnens have been coming in. The Harkonnens are like fucking Columbus. The Harkonnens, <laughs> the Harkonnens are coming up, are coming in and, like, fucking over the Fremen. Cutting off hands, you like, know. Like, they're, they're being really, really, really bad. And then the Atreides are coming in and being like, hey, Fremen, we don't want to fuck you guys over. We're supposed to do this job for the Emperor. Right. We're here. We're going to come into the desert. I know you don't like that, but we're going to come in. We're going to be harvesting spice, but we don't want to like hurt you guys. We don't want to fuck you up. Yeah. So they're better than the Harkonnens, mm, but it's, it's still colonization. Yeah, yeah. So the Fremen would prefer nobody come in and Right, but the thing is, you know? this is such a like, freaking space travel. No, we want that. Right. You know, until right. it comes so, that sort of thing. So it's, and yeah. But, and the the people on the the Dune planet, like they're not an advanced people that have the technology to do well, that. Well, the Fremen. Right? Well, it's not that the Fremen are, you know, they're nomadic again, people. They're, so the Fremen aren't like indigenous. Feels wrong because they're, <laughs> they're just, not from from there. Like nobody, <laughs> like nobody's indigenous to these planets. They uh. they everybody's from Earth, but. Relatively speaking, the Fremen are indigenous to Arrakis. They've been living. Like they are of the planet. They're of the planet. They've been living there. They have developed their society to live really successfully on the planet. Yeah. With, oh my god! So I, I'm sorry, but no, I was just thinking about the thing that happens later on, where because um, I was just thinking this whole time. Well, this is just how these people live. They have to deal with this water, and, uh, and then later on, you find out. Oh wait, they've been drained of their uh, uh, resources and water. By these underground um, things that we come to later, don't don't we? Because they make a thing well, where it's just like, well, if, if this were allowed to happen, we could just have water, but we can't because of 
well, uh, colonization. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because it's like, and so Dune is not like Paul is a Paul ends up becoming kind of a monstrous figure later in the books, mm, like after the first one. Um, there's there's a lot that happens, so it's not morally simple. It's not like oh, here's this good guy coming in and yeah, saving yeah. the day. Like he's definitely not. Mm. Um, but. So, so there's a question here because, so Arrakis is a desert planet. That's what it's supposed to be. It's a desert environment. It's hard for humans to live in, but the Fremen have been living there so long that they have developed, um, you know, they invented still suits. They have a culture where if somebody dies, you take their body and you squish every ounce of water out of it. Right, right. You know, they, they save their spit and pool it and filter it to to re-drink. Yeah. Like, and so it becomes the point. Remember that scene where like he the, the guy right. comes up and spits on Fremen, that thing and it looks Fremen, like disrespect. But, right, but for the Fremen, like spitting on the ground in front of somebody is is a huge sign of respect because you're voluntarily giving up some of your water yeah, for yeah. them. So um, But the way that guy acts, it doesn't seem like he's like he it just seems it seems like this whole movie we're building up is like all of these respectable people and this and this guy just kinda comes in the fre- yeah, the <laughs> yeah. right. And so, so here's so here's the question: is like, so we've got a desert planet that is naturally a desert. We have people who have developed a society where they very successfully live in that desert, and then there are attempts. So, Kynes, um, so Doctor Kynes is interesting because she comes in. She's not Fremen originally, but she marries a Fremen. She integrates completely into Fremen society. So she basically she becomes Fremen. Um, mm. I kind of want to do like Native American, uh, I'll, I'll right? Like somebody it. who gets adopted into yeah, a tribe, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So so she kind of is a you know she's a guerre. She's like you know she gets adopted into the tribe, um, and she is an ecologist and has this whole plan and effort to make the desert bloom to to basically um terraform almost and and make the desert you know somewhere with more water and more life and so the question is is that a good thing it would make it easier for people but other but also like maybe dune's not supposed to be a rainforest it's Mm. supposed to be a desert and the dune worms like the the Mm. the giant worms who live on the planet and and live on the spice or produce this i think i i i can't remember but i think the spice is basically worm poop it's like they they like (laughs) i think their bodies produce the spice and so it's like okay well if you make dune like that then what's gonna happen to the worms now the spice spice is this uh uh this very valuable thing and also right and also like the people the fremen like their eyes are all like blue not like a human with blue eyes but like bright glowing blue eyes because of all the spice they've ingested and i don't remember if they say this explicitly in the movie or not but if you take a fremen off of arrakis they will die because Mm. they're basically all addicted to spice like chemically because they're just surrounded by it so it's Mm. like it kind of reminds me about what was that uh Rick and Morty episode where there's like, oh, I found out that uh, when Jerry's trying to get out of giving up his penis, and he's like, oh, uh, uh, 
the the person I'm supposed to be giving up to, who is supposed to be this great guy, actually ingests lots of heroin. And it's just like, hey, didn't you know that heroin makes up 60% of, you know, the atmosphere on that guy's own planet? So this thing that you think of like, oh my God, heroin, that's bad. But it's like, well, this is what this person that would was need to pro- survive. Yeah, that was probably a Dune reference. Yeah, definitely. Because, now that I think of it, yeah. Right, because it would be like taking, you know, taking one of us into outer space and not giving us water. It's like they, they need it. It's in their systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Basically, so there's that question of, you know, is completely transforming the landscape of Dune actually a good thing? Mm. The Fremen are doing fine and would be doing fine, especially if people weren't coming in and fucking with them. Right. Um, (laughs) So, you know, yeah. I I like (laughs) how it uses, but like it, it uses these details to really justify the politics of why things are so like Mm -hmm. butting heads with what's going on. Right. So the overall story, just to get the skeleton of the story, like hanging there is, um, the, the Harkonnen, the Fremen are more or less indigenous to Dune. They've evolved a society that's really successful living in this harsh climate the Harkonnens come in as the emperor-appointed uh, governors of the planet, essentially, and rule it with an iron fist and, and make lots of money in the spice trade. Then the emperor is worried about the Atreides, so he sends the Atreides to take over for the Harkonnens in an attempt to basically start a war to destroy his competitor. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, so Paul Atreides, who we, you know, we haven't really even talked about that yeah, much. Yeah, because there's so, so much world around Paul, him. <laughs> Paul is the son of the Emperor Duke Leto and his concubine, uh, Jessica, uh, Lady Jessica. So Lady Jessica is very explicitly not his wife. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, he is... Because if she became like if she became his wife, it would be like politically problematic, and he's supposed to be able to marry somebody to have a duchess, but he never does because he loves Jessica so much. Uh. So his so Jessica is a Bene Gesserit. She's one of these warrior scientist nuns, and she, warrior scientist nuns. That's and she great. gave birth to Paul, even though she wasn't supposed to give birth to a son because uh. she loved Duke Leto so much. She wanted to give him a son so he'd have an heir. So Paul is the son of the Duke. He's the heir to the Duke, and he is also the son of a Bene Gesserit. And the she has he's 15 years old, and his whole life she has trained him in the Bene Gesserit warrior nun way. It's kind of like the Shaolin. Like they've got all these like right. you know, and um, we've taken we. It's like already just trying to explain everything. We haven't really gotten into much criticism. <laughs> I Lady Jessica was the one. Um, characterization that I really didn't like mm, in the movie not? because so here's the thing Lady Jessica is not a normal person <laughs> she is this she she's imagine like this trained Shaolin monk right yeah. she is she so they the, do kind of make her a bit of a wilting flower right the and the yeah. speech that she gives she the act I don't I don't know whether like I feel like this the responsibility lies somewhat on the director and somewhat on the actress mm. because I don't think it's in the script but every time she says the the speech I must not fear fear is the little death right that, the God, yeah. fear fear is the mind killer yeah, yeah, yeah. right so that speech is the Bene Gesserit credo every time she says that it comes off like a like a um like a 
oh shit, what's the word um, when you're meditating? A mantra. It comes off like a mantra that somebody says trying to keep themselves from having a panic attack. Right. Like she she keeps seeming like she's like, huh, huh, I must not yeah. fear. Fear is a little death. And it's like, no, no, no. This, she is a badass trained warrior uh. who has utter control over her body and mind. And she is saying like, like, this is just the, the, the right. thing that I do she, to keep my discipline instead saying, of, like, I'm gripping and right. trying to hold she's, on to she's sanity. She's centering herself. Like, when Lady Jessica or any Bene Gesserit trained person is saying that speech, they're saying that as a reminder and a centering tool. They're not fucking, like, on the verge of having a panic attack. Mm. And she just didn't... She was, like, constantly just, like, whimpering. Like, I watched the movie with subtitles on because I always watch things with subtitles. And literally, there were... Jessica whimpers. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> and it's like, she's not fucking whimpering. So I really didn't appreciate that, mm. that they had her being, like... And it's like, an average person would be having a panic attack. An average right. person... I, I, you I know, get what you're saying. She yeah. didn't come off as a wimpier than average person, but she's not supposed to be average. She's supposed to be this, you know, highly disciplined person so that bugged me but anyway so lady jessica has trained her son in the benet jesserit way he's also been trained in martial arts um in sword fighting and by the way there's a and i don't they they do i feel like explain this pretty well there's the justification for why they have swords and knives and stuff in this sci-fi universe is that they all have these shields Yeah, yeah and if you fire a projectile at these shields if something hits the shield really fast it's like a seatbelt. you know how if yeah. you're in a car and you lean forward really fast your seatbelt catches because that's what it's yeah, supposed to do I but that's if, so i like if, if i like how they represented forward, that slowly yeah. it comes out so it's like that if a projectile hits the shield really fast it doesn't go through but if you take a knife really slowly or a sword really slowly you can get through yeah and um, i like how they have the little right yeah the, i thought, the, I thought the vibrating they, thing, they did yeah. a good job with that so there's um Duncan Idaho and Duncan. Gar- I, I'm sorry. I just, what a I, great name, right? Duncan <laughs> Idaho. Look in in the land of this world where people have all of these weird, wild out sort of like names. That Duncan Idaho. Yeah, Duncan <laughs> like, Idaho. But but the thing is, it, it seems to fit his character, especially played by uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, Jason yeah. Momoa, because he's supposed to be such the like down to earth. Look, I'm just the dude who like yeah. knocks so motherfuckers out. Duncan Idaho is like the master of arms, and then Gurney Halleck is the, he's like the bard, but he's also really good at sword fighting. And so those two have trained Paul in martial arts. He's also been trained as a Mentat. They don't get into that mm. too much with his interactions with the Mentat. So Paul has basically been trained from birth from multiple angles to be just this like Superman. Mm. And so when he's 15, the Bene Gesserit, like Mother Superior, I can't remember what her actual title is, but mm-hmm. so basically the head nun shows up to test him. And that's also the very opening of the book is him being tested. Yeah, the box. The box. The <laughs> Yeah. And so um, he has to um, put his hand, and this is like, oh, this bit yeah. is like, I, every, to the point that like, if you've seen this or read this, it's going to be stuck in your mind forever. I saw some um, ad for a product that was supposed to be like a hand massager and it involved putting your hand in a box. Uh, and literally my comment was, I must not fear. Fear is the mind. Uh, right. <laughs> like, the, I remember in Ripley's Believe It or Not, they had this one thing where it was like, put your hand in this thing to like, see if no. you're And I, mean, I was like, no, no. No. <laughs> so anyway, so he has to put the hand in the box 
And she has the Gomjabar, which is this poison needle that she holds to his neck, which oh, also, yeah. like, anything... Ta- anytime I see Ooh. somebody with neck tattoos, I'm just like, how did you have right? a needle You're on your neck? the most vulnerable ah. part of your body. No, it just makes me want to, like, put, like, a fucking, like, armor around my neck and everything. <laughs> so, um... So basically, she has him put his hand in a box, and she holds a poison needle to his neck, and the box just basically makes his hand feel like it's being like burned off, and he has to keep his hand voluntarily in this box that's causing him extreme pain, and if he takes his hand out, she'll stab him with the needle. And so it's this test of does he have the discipline, essentially, to maintain, to to have this extreme pain in order to preserve his life. And it's weird because she uses this metaphor of are you a are you a real human who has the discipline to do this? Are you like an animal because an animal will chew its leg out off to get out of a trap? And I'm like, I mm. kind of feel like voluntarily chewing your leg off to save your life and get out of a trap is like okay. what you're asking him to do. Yeah, because, so like 127 hours, like, right? Like he's supposed to like <laughs> right. So like you're asking him to be like a fox, really? But anyway, yeah. so he passes the test and. So he he passes the test, and so the the Bene Gesserit woman is like, okay, I guess I'll let you survive now. So then, they're still kind of like, but mm, we don't think he's actually like right. But she's but she's still not happy because he wasn't supposed to be born yet. Because again, this isn't some like just mystical prophecy. This is a scientific breeding program. Yeah, that's what's... Like, it's like people who saw the uh, Chosen One narratives in their books of old and were like, well, how can we, like, make sure it actually happens, though? (laughs) I think, think, again, that's a really interesting thing about Doom, that all these things about, like, all these sort of mystical and magical things, like a Chosen One prophecy and prophetic dreams and, you know, uh, and visions and all this stuff is essentially done through technology. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so then uh, the family yeah. goes to Arrakis and we get cutaways to Baron Harkonnen talking to his nephew and talking to his advisors and, and being like, okay, well, I know what's really going on and blah, blah, blah. Family goes to Dune. Um, the The people of Dune, and we've got like, it's interesting because there's sort of the deep desert Fremen and then there's the Fremen who live in the villages and who are sort of... Oh, yeah. Because I was like, wait, are those different people? But, like, no, they're, they're, they're kind still, of like a... They're Fremen, but they're more urban Fremen, and they live yeah. in the villages, They and they live around the... the they're the com- people that greet them when they, when they first right. arrive. So the Fremen all show up, and they all are, are chanting, Lisan al-Gaib, and they're, they see Paul right. and his mother, and they're like, oh, this is the voice from the outer world. And Paul's kind of like, oh, you, you've been a Jesser, came, and you made these people all superstitious. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I like this. Uh, there's this one sentence that describes it on the wiki here. It's like... Paul Atreides suggests that the term means that the Bene Gesserit have been planting superstitions of the One, but Jessica remarks that they have been preparing the Fremen for the arrival of the One. So, like, just through that sentence's description in and of itself, it kind of sets up this, like, ambiguity of, like, is, yeah. is this actually well, the, the way Bene, it's supposed to be? The Bene Gesserit are absolutely evil. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the Bene Gesserit are, are the, they're, I mean, they're missionaries, and rather, you know, they're, they're trying to fulfill their vision of what the world should be, um, no, so the Bene Gesserit uh, are, are absolutely terrible. Well, um, but the thing is, it doesn't, like, because, you know, it's funny, like, as I, uh, as I, what am I trying to say about this? Because it's like, in this world where everyone seems kind of like no one is necessarily the good or a bad guy, it just kind of seems like, well, everyone's just kind of doing what they think makes logical sense. Which you is know what the I'm real saying? world. Like, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> doing what they think is best. 
And sometimes what people think is best is really awful. Right. It's a lot of people. Right. But I like how like the movie tries to genuinely give you that as opposed to like a Star Wars where right. it's like, okay, this guy is, I, his I name think, is Dark Father and he's the bad, bad guy. Right. Yeah. And I do think that's why it's superior because it's mm. not just like, here's the good light side and everybody's wearing cream colored clothing. Yeah. And here's the bad side it, when they wear black and walk around and in they, the dark. And they call themselves the dark side. Right. <laughs> like, you know, and, like, and they're like, we are the evil and you should join the evil. Evil is good. Right, it's, it's a lot more complex. Yeah. Although I do remember someone saying, like, like when you do think about it, like, it's one of those, I don't think they did that on purpose, but it's kind of how it kind of shakes out, where it's just like, the dark side is like, giving in to your feelings, actually caring about things, you know, and it's like, wait, shouldn't that be what you do? Like, what's going on? Because yeah. the light side is supposed to be, don't care, like, be not of this world and not caring about what happened, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's supposed to be above it, you know? So it, it is fascinating, like... That dynamic, but it's not, I don't think that's purposeful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, so, and we're now we're going to get angry Star Wars oh, fans. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but, oh, you know, I, I wanted to bring this up. There's a scene where, you know, the, uh, the boy, I just call him the boy. Timothy the boy. Yeah, the boy. boy. I feel like <laughs> the, the bad guy in the movie is just trying to use him for his own, you know, devices. Yeah. Bring me the boy. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, he's walking the grounds, and he sees, like, a bunch of, you know, greenery from different, like, planets getting watered. And it's like, whoa, you know, like, hey, what, you're watering these plants. Like, this could save, like, five men every day, like, you know, just from, like, giving the water. And then they just, uh, the guy kind of tells them, like, oh, old dream. You know, like, like it's an old prophecy for the reason why we do it. Like, this is because this thing that doesn't make sense to you coming in and looking at this, but it's like, it makes sense to us because this felt right based off of the person who, like, you know, this was based on. And so in honor of them, this feels like the right thing to do because maybe in a future yeah. point that we aren't aware of, like, something good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like how it just, like, plants that in that one way of, like, well, whoa, five men could be dying? Like, yeah. that you could be the water? Like, well, but maybe there's a greater thing that's going right. on. Right, and, that, like, and that's, I think, also, like, a, um, you know, that's a, a question that I think resonates because there's always the question of allocating resources. Like, we have people... You know, people get angry about the space program, space exploration, and mm. saying, well, why are we wasting money studying other planets when there's people who are homeless? And but it's like, how much stuff could we study about other planets that could help us, you know? Like... Well, and, and just sometimes things are important, and there's other ways we could divert resources, Kofkoff military right. industrial complex. <laughs> but, you know, but, but there is always that, like, when you see something that, like, doesn't have that immediate value, and you're like, well, other, like, you know, we have these basic needs being unmet, and how much do you vilify something that is, you know, sort of more abstract or esoteric mm. in value? Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, very interesting moment with the trees. So they're getting settled in at this big sort of stronghold on Arrakis. And um, a lot happens. Uh, Lady Jessica is interviewing women to be servants, like Fremen servants. And this one woman has a ceremonial knife a chris knife that yeah. is made of a worm's tooth and um and the woman says that she uh like basically is like oh I, we think you're the the ones foretold from the prophecy and that and gives her the knife and um paul has an, an attempt is made on paul's life where oh this, where he's that one scene where it's he's like, like it's He's, like this little, it's like a little teeny tiny drone thing. It's like an artificial insect. Yeah, mosquito thing. And, and it's a cool looking scene because like he's, 
like studying about uh, you know. Yeah, the he's, world. he's watching. He's like watching videos basically about and, Dune. And there's this one image of like seeing all of these like uh, what is it like just like what looks like the roots of a tree upside down mm-hmm. like that he's walking through the image the uh, projected image of. So yeah. I just thought that was like such a cool looking scene of him like walking through and then seeing that thing slowly coming out. It, it's, it's a really cool... There's so many... That, that's what I like about this movie. Like, it, this movie... It feels like a lot of action adventure movies. You know, they gotta throw things in your face. Something's happening really fast. Blah, blah, blah. And, like, this... It's still an action blockbuster movie, but it just takes its time mm-hmm. in a way that just allows you to appreciate what's happening more. You know, like, there's weight to this movie. Like, what, th- there are so many things that are, like, coming out of the sky you know they, th- those yeah. little uh, th- those little um the only way i can describe them not little but the only way i can describe them is remember the batman uh, uh, uh 19 uh, batman returns where that one uh, where catwoman had that what's that shock thing that she got from the from the clown guy like the taser? Yeah, the taser, like those old, like early '90s tasers. That's what it looked like. We're in the sky when they were coming yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, the, the the vehicles are really cool. They have these, um, they're the thopters, the ornithopters mm. that are like helicopters. Except oh yeah, but they look like of, dragonflies. Right, instead of spinning, spinning blades, they have wings. They have wings that fly. Yeah, that's so cool. Because it's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because, yeah, those animals are able to, those insects are able to do it. So yeah. you're just replicating that. Like, yeah, it's yeah. so cool. Um, so an attempt is made on Paul's life, but Paul foils it. He catches the thing and saves everybody. And um, I, I'm a little blurry on what happens between then and the time that, like, shit really, really goes down. But okay. Get, yeah, it feels like they're, like, you know, um, basically, uh, Atreides, the, the Atreides clan are, like, slowly figuring out that they're being, like, sabotaged and screwed over. Because, yeah, they, they Harkonnen right, tried they, to sabotage their production. They tried right, to kill they, his so son. They, they go out to the desert. They meet Kynes, Dr. Kynes, who in the book and the Lynch movie is a, is a man. And this is played by a woman. I thought that was a really good character to gender flip just to get some more balance oh, sure. in the gender ratio. Because yeah. Also, just like, like uh, uh, th- that was a dark-skinned, like, black woman mm-hmm. with dreads. And it's just like, yeah. you just don't see that. Like, I, I have a general issue that I just notice in movies where it's just like, oh, we'll get a black person, but only really light-skinned black people. Yeah. So that, you know, white people don't get scared. And, well, you know and, what I mean? And like, also, like... Like, a lot of times, because you have to light different skin tones differently, yeah. and a lot of times, I think, out of laziness, too, mm, they don't want to yeah. bother. And she looked, <laughs> she looked great. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so she's awesome, and I thought that was a really good character to bring, you know, to flip, because the gender of that character is not really all that important. Yeah, um, yeah. And But I'm sorry, just, uh, like, because I was just thinking about this. Remember the recent Batman movie? It was like uh, uh, the, the Commissioner yeah, yeah, Gordon yeah. and the Catwoman character, and I remember for for a little while, we were being like, "Wait, are they black? Wait." Uh- and it's, it's like that thing was like they're lighting them a very specific dark way so that well everyone kind of looks a little yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like not not leaning into them being black yeah and it was yeah it's nice that like this character is just black they're yeah yeah like, yeah no she she's fantastic I love just it. a cool like yeah. I, when she gets killed I, I felt it like oh, it was yeah. like no, no. <laughs> that actress that actress is awesome and also like that moment so oh, if you're it hurt. Also, so it hurt because she's great and you love the character and also, you know, she's about to go get help. So that, like, yeah. hurts. But also, like, if you have any kind of a background with Dune, 
she's standing there holding these pickaxes. Did you know what she was going to do? No, no. She's going to ride a worm. That's what she's doing. Oh, she's, she's, ah, damn she, it. she's waiting. So I'm sitting there because I had like forgotten what happened. I forgot that Kynes got killed there. So I'm sitting there waiting. I'm going, oh, yeah, we're going to see somebody ride a worm. We're going to see somebody ride a worm. And then she gets killed and then we don't get to see her ride a worm. It's like, no. Uh, and, and, oh, and the way she gets killed too where it's like she gets like, you know, cut across and instead of blood, it's water coming out. But it's like it's still as in because like mm-hmm. up to this point we know how important water is so to see so yeah. much gush well, out because it's her still suit yeah yeah so, yeah um, but I just love that it's like kind of getting around you know in this modern day and age people are always like oh don't show blood can't show blood yeah. but like with this it was just as impactful it, you know what I mean it really was yeah <laughs> in that setting so um, that happens a little later though because oh right because she calls the word yeah, with the so boom what, boom yeah right. that's well, what what first happens is they meet Dr. Kynes she takes them out gives them a little tour they're going out in the ornithopter and in the desert, there's like a, a work crew that is trying to, to get going because there's a worm coming and the worms are, you know, giant beasts that are going to kill them if they, if they get them. Yeah. So the, um, the vehicle that's supposed to pick up the workmen breaks. And, mm. um, and so they just barely managed to get the workmen out of there alive um, because, you know, the, the, um, the crew's like, oh, no, no, don't bother. You know, we can't. We can't right. take them. But Dr. Er, Dr. Uh, uh, Duke Lido <coughs> insists on rescuing the men. They get them out. Paul goes outside to try and yeah. direct people and falls over in the spice and basically overdoses on spice, gets a whole lot of visions. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that happens. And then they get back and Lido's like, okay, they're sabotaging us. Like, the equipment's fucked up. And um, I think Dr. Kynes is the one who... So Dr. Kynes is... Her position is that the emperor has sent her to be the guardian of the change. So her job is to basically facilitate the transition from Harkonnen rule to Atreides rule. And she's supposed to be neutral. She's not on anybody's side. She's neutral. She's just overseeing the transition. And she just says, well, you know, the desert's really hard on equipment. You know, they, they weren't sabotaging it on purpose. It's just old. Um, but then the Harkonnens go to the Sadakar who are fucking scary as shit. Mm. The Sardaukar are the personal army of the Emperor, and they're the just... The motherfuckers doing the dubstep concert. Yeah, well, they're using throat singing um, and, like, in, in a really effective way, and their planet, like, they're on this planet that's just, like, all dark, and yeah. they're doing like this creepy, like religious ceremony. It looked with like blood. A, a, it looked like an a late eighties music video, like yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. all the people so up there doing the this. The Sardaukar are fucking terrifying, and they're like, okay, we'll go help. Yeah, uh, like the the Harkonnens basically like buy their assistance. So <laughs> the Card- the Sardaukar come onto Arrakis, and they go on and they um they attack everybody. And the, we haven't mentioned Doctor Yue. So Dr. Yue is like their doctor, is their healer. And oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turns out that he has sabotaged the shields so that the Sardaukar can come in and kill everybody. Yeah. Now, the reason why he did that was because... because right, because the, the Harkonnens are... This is such a disturbing thing. They're holding his wife hostage, and he says they're taking her apart like a doll. Yeah. It's just like, ugh. And so it's like, well, if I do this, then, you know, we'll be, like, then she'll be safe. And then he goes like, and here's a little fail safe for right. you, like, so, the poison tooth. Right, so Dr. Yue fucking hates the Harkonnens because they've been torturing his wife for years. And um, so so he is sabotaged the Atreides so the Harkonnens can get in and will hopefully let his wife go. But 
He gives. Of course, we know how villains go. <laughs> he, but he, in his capacity as healer, has put a poison tooth into Duke Leto's mouth and tells him, "Okay, I gave you a poison tooth. Get close to to Harkonnen. Bite down on the tooth. Poison him. Kill him." So the Harkonnens are like, "Get Duke Leto." He wakes up. Naked. Oh man! And paralyzed. <laughs> what an insult! Yeah, like they had while while the dude's just like eating food right. in front of eating him, you know, his food. <laughs> yeah, so, like naked and paralyzed. And he says, "Good food, cousin." Wait, yeah. So the, are they related? They're related. Oh they're The heads of the great houses, right? Oh. So okay. so Leto wakes up naked and paralyzed, sitting at a banquet table, and Harkonnen's on the other side eating his food, and basically being like, "Yep, we're we're Don't taking it in his face." Like, yeah, we won. <laughs> and he and and Leto's like. And Harkonnen gets in his face. Leto, like, wait, what did you say? Hey, yeah. Leto blows the poison in his mouth, but Harkonnen can levitate. Because, yeah. and this is like so in the book, it's not quite as clear. I feel like, but in the book and in the movie, it's like he's basically, um, he's he's in the book. He is so obese that he can't walk. He's like a my six hundred pound life person, mm-hmm. and so he's got this like hover harness chair that just floats him around. Oh, so. <laughs> I thought he was just like, uh, yeah, I just have to be able to, I, I got so fat that I had to learn how to hover. Yeah. So he's got, so yeah, so he's like, the, you don't see the harness equipment, he just kind of looks like he knows how to hover, but it's, again. Yeah. But he's wearing like a really long, right. long thing, so he could be hiding It's not magic, it's technology. Yeah, so he, he almost dies, but they he hovers up by the ceiling, and it's, it's this like really disturbing scene, because the, the guards come in, and they see all the servants, all the people dead, yeah. and then they look up. And Harkonnen is like hovering up by the ceiling like a fucking bug on the ceiling. Yeah. And, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> so he just so unfortunately he survives. Leto's dead. Everybody's dead. Um, but Paul and Jessica have escaped, um, and they and they get out. Um, Kynes has helped them escape. She she gets them out through these like tunnels. And they just barely escape. Kynes gets killed, as we talked about. Yeah, and like I said, the, amongst this is just this epic fight scene of seeing, like, you know, ships getting destroyed and, like, big, like, structures falling on, like, things. It's so cool to watch. Like, right. just be like, like to behold and be like, oh, my God. Like, you just want to keep yeah. watching to see what happens next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so Paul and his mother get an ornithopter and manage to get out to the desert. They, they survive getting chased. They survive... Going and don't they get kidnapped? They get kidnapped uh, at one point because it's... oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. They, I totally forgot about this. Yeah, yeah. So the Sardaukar kidnap them and they're in an ornithopter, and these two guards are like going to kill them, but but they like don't want to directly kill them so that they can say right because Harkonnen is like basically if they go through a lie detector test, um, they want to be able to say oh we didn't kill them, we just dropped them in the desert so yeah. that. Um, because the, the Bene Gesserit have sway with the Emperor, and they said, don't kill Jessica, she's one of us, don't kill Paul, because she's his son. Um, <coughs> so they're gonna, like, well, we didn't technically kill him, we just dropped them in the desert where a giant animal ate them. Yeah, yeah, Um, but, so we totally didn't get into this, but part of the Bene Gesserit training is something called the voice, where basically it's oh, yeah. speaking to somebody in such a way that compels them to do whatever you said. Right. Jessica has it, she's, you know, a trained Bene Gesserit. She's got the- Paul Paul almost has it. He's like working on it. He's not quite there yet. So Paul manages to so so Jessica's gagged because they know she's a Bene Gesserit. They know she's got the voice, so they've gagged her. 
Paul manages to use the voice just enough to get them to ungag her. And then she tells them, you know, kill him, let him go, blah, blah, blah. Um, they, they kill the guards, but they still crash land in the desert. They're still kind of fucked, but they manage to survive. They get through the desert. And I want to say also this whole time, this whole time, you know, Paul's been having these visions where he's been seeing Zendaya. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Who's <laughs> like barely in the movie. And it's that, again, it's the thing where you're just like, oh man, they're not going to do anything. <laughs> it's like, well, hopefully in the next movie they will. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been, um, he's been seeing um, Zendaya. He's been getting visions of her just kind of looking beautiful and mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, and we forgot to mention Stilgar, who's the, the Fremen guy we meet early on. The Fremen leader is played by Javier Bardem. Um, mm. But he's getting visions of Zendaya and also visions of uh, Babs Olusanmokun, who plays uh, Jamis. And so it's interesting because, and again, these visions aren't magic prophecies of the future. They are probabilities spinning out. So he gets visions of Jamis, who is this Fremen man, like sort of speaking words of desert wisdom to him. That ends up never happening, right? Yeah. That ends up never happening, but his brain is like getting these sort of maybe what Jamis would say to you if he were giving you words of desert wisdom. Mm. So he's getting these visions. I, I find that so fascinating, like, the way it's playing with the idea of destiny and things that are, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is this prophesies. Oh, oh, you're seeing this thing. And, like, maybe it's kind of coming true. But, but then it's like, oh, wait, no, it didn't go that way at all. Oh, wow, this guy that you thought was supposed to be your friend. Oh, no, he wasn't your friend at all. This is, you know what I mean? So it, I like how it has this thing of, like, you know, the destiny of a character. But it's like, it's not like in, you know, those fantasy movies where, well, we know things are going to go out go well because we already just said right. just here, we yeah, just said everything's going to go well. Exactly. So, it's, not, it's not a magic prophecy fantasy movie. Yeah. And that, I think, Oh, Babs, that, that was the uh, dude who, and I, I love that character so much. I, I love that uh, actor so much. He has such, such character what, what in his voice. I've seen him he, in, he was in the, uh, He's in the newest uh, Star Trek uh, show. And he, he has such, like, a great... Oh, Strange He has a great face, but it also has a great voice, yeah. I have not... Oh, um, Black Mirror, oh, I think is Black, what I've seen yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Because um, I haven't seen Star Trek, but I did see him in Black Mirror. I thought he looked familiar. Yeah. Um, um, oh, oh, that's what I was just thinking about real quick. Just like, yeah, I was thinking about like, you know, this is supposed to be, I mean, at least it feels like the story of, you know, everyone's religious philosophies or whatever, but then it's still a story of like resources and politics. Like it's fascinating how these things all crash together ultimately, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, it feels like originally, oh yeah, the nuns are trying to like, it's because of their religious philosophy and oh yeah, the people on Dune, they have a religious philosophy and but then it's like, well, but then when it rubber meets road, it's actually about like, who controls the spice that allows people to do shit? Right, <laughs> like, right. Yeah, the spice, the spice is what the universe runs on. Yeah. Like without spice, space spice. In, without spice, interplanetary travels impossible and their entire society would crumble yeah because the because the planets are basically like islands and mm -hmm. it would like many of these planets couldn't survive without imports from other planets right right and uh okay so there was this quote that uh my, my mom said to me that was from the godfather movies and it was uh, i do i literally just watched the godfather last night oh really because <laughs> i've never seen it before and i was like i need to watch the godfather but so. i think this might be from the third one but it was just an interesting quote nonetheless because it made me think of uh the, the plot of this movie where it, but um my mom told me the quote and she was like i don't really know what it means too but i, I was just thinking maybe if i throw this at you this is like Finance is a gun. Politics is knowing when to pull the trigger. Huh. Yeah, that was not in the first one. I can say yeah, I think, it, I think it was in the but third yeah, one. But, but, but right. it's an interesting quote because I, I feel like that's kind of 
what this situation right, you've got, is. You you've know? got resources, you've got resources and weapons and power, but then if you if you don't use them correctly, it doesn't do you any good. Yeah, if you just go in and just like push everyone aside, well then now you're just the enemy. So you can't just do that. So you gotta be a little bit more conniving about how you do you know, like Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically, um so Paul and Jessica just barely managed to survive the desert. They survive a sandworm. Um, and because, because Paul also, so Paul has this sort of, um, preternatural ability to like, he knows, um, early on when he puts on the still suit, which is a Fremen invention and he puts it on correctly without needing any help. And Dr. Kynes is like, how do you know how to do that? Um, he is very good at doing the special walk that prevents the sandworm from hearing your footsteps and coming because it's attracted to your footsteps. Mm -hmm. So he's got all this sort of, and you know, people have said, like, oh, this is, like, this mighty whitey type of <laughs> thing where it's, like, oh, the white savior, like, oh, it's this white guy coming in and he magically knows better than the, he knows, he's more Fremen than the Fremen. He knows, like, what, you know, he knows how to do all the Fremen stuff, but even better, yeah, even though he has yeah. no training, right? And the thing the, is... The, the, uh, with the dances with the wolves, you know. <laughs> right. And the thing but, is, on the one hand, yes, there are those referen- those, those resonances, and I'm not going to tell anybody, like, don't be offended by that, because those reson- resonances are obviously there, and especially coming at it, you know, coming at this story now in 2022, yeah, yeah. it's a little like, oh, how, do you, how do you confront that? We've yeah. seen this story so many times of the, you know, white guy who has no particular, who's made no particular effort, has no particular training, but he's special. And so he's good at everything with no yeah. effort. And the person who's had their whole life of training and getting ready is not as good as him because he's the magically the one, yeah. right? Now, I feel like it is better justified with but, how they lay but it out. it's better justified yeah, in this yeah. because A, he's not really a savior. He ends right. up kind of destroying the universe. Right. <laughs> and he, like, you know, he has been training his whole life. It's not just, oh, guess what? You're secretly yeah, special yeah, in magic. Yeah. <clears throat> he's literally, like, it's not just that he's secretly genetically special in magic. Like, he's had this training this really intense training from infancy and he's been basically bred for a long he's time been, he's like. been bred and he's been trained to be this you know this extraordinary superhuman computer so yeah, it's better yeah. justified um but he's in the desert they run into duncan idaho oh yeah and i just want to say the the silent descent of those like ninjas yeah that's such a cool moment because like women are very much ninjas yeah because you don't think about it and then you all of a sudden you just like the camera's moving and then all of a sudden there they come down from the brain you're like oh what? Right. <laughs> like you know it's like when you see it's like when you're in a room and you see like some sort of like you know da- like spider coming down you know and you're just like and it's like a big one too like that's what it made me feel as i was watching it i was like holy shit you know when you see like a spider just descend from it seems like yeah, nowhere and you're like yeah, yeah, ah! yeah. So, so they find themselves in the middle of a Fremen siege which is like the Fremen society it's they live in, in these caves and stuff and the Fremen most of them want to kill them because they you know it's the kind of more mouths to feed and they were like mm. you know we could use your body as water yeah. but if you show up you're going to drain us of resources um, Stilgar, who's had some relationship with them, um, you know, manages to like, well, hold on, hold on, you know. And Paul also, at least some of the Fremen think he might be Lisan Al Gaib. So they Paul manages to talk them into um not killing him, but then they still want to kill Jessica. He's like, No, this is my mother. Oh, and she's pregnant. Paul says, I know you're pregnant. Um which becomes really important later. So Jessica, 
her unborn child and Paul. Um, you know, they, they managed to not kill them, but Jamis, um, who is this other friend, is like, no, fuck this. We, I don't want to take them back with us. Um, I'm going to challenge him to fight. Challenges him to fight. They all get together to fight. Uh, Paul has a vision. So it's this one-on-one -on -one fight. And, and of course, everybody, including Zendaya's character, um, uh, Chana, um, or Chani, so Chani's like, yeah, you're gonna die, but here you can have this special knife, mm -hmm. so you can die with dignity. Yeah, um, I, I love it. Where she, like, it's just like, like ah, I'm trying to be nice to you, you know? Like, I, yeah, <laughs> I feel like Zendaya always kind of plays the same character because yeah. she comes off exactly the same as MJ and Spider-Man. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, like I don't really care about you because I'm a cool girl, but I think you're kind of cute. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> she's like, she's like, okay, but so so everybody just assumes this guy is going to kill this, you know, non-fremen kid who has no idea what he's doing. He has a vision. Um, he has a vision of Jamis killing him and this voice basically saying to him, um, you know, that Paul has to die so that Moadib can live. I, I think they say Moadib at that mm -hmm. point, which is the name he ends up taking, but you know, Paul has to die so that your, your new self can rise. And he has this vision of, of Jamis killing him. So um, they fight, and Paul is, you know, coming from his own background of being trained to fight, but not necessarily just kill somebody. And so he's not trying to kill Jamis. He's just trying to beat Jamis. Yeah. And he's, like, trying to get him to yield, which is very insulting to the Fremen because they, they're like, no, 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 if you do this fight, it's a fight to the death. Right. And Jamis is getting more and more upset because he thinks Paul's fucking with him. Yeah, yeah. And so even though he has more training, more experience, and just being older and being bigger and stronger, he ends up at a disadvantage because he gets so upset that Paul mm. sort of gets in and stabs right, him and yeah, kills yeah, him. Yeah. Um, and so that's basically that. Paul kills Jamis, and then he's like, and Jessica's like, okay, now let's get out of here. Let's go. We, we got to go. And Paul says no because of all his visions and stuff. He's like, I know. I need to stay here. I need to be with the Fremen. This is my destiny. Um, so that basically ends the movie. Yeah, yeah, part that, one. Oh, the one thing I did want to yeah, yeah. uh, note was just the fact that, like, okay, so Duncan Ido, like, he's the most action-adventure, like, part of this movie. Oh, yeah, he gets killed. I'm sorry, Duncan. But, we gloss over Duncan. But, but what annoys me is that, like, it's a powerful moment. Like, oh, no, he gets killed. And then he comes back, like, a minute later, like, oh, but I can still fight for a couple more minutes. So it's like, no, you got killed. That was an emotional well, feat. Like, you know? I mean, I feel <laughs> and like... Then, and then it was like, well, that's what also annoyed me. Because, yeah. like, he was supposed to be dying to buy them some time to get away. And then they, like, they go through all this shit and he gets killed. And, like, uh, Chalamet's just sitting there at the door, like, no, no, come back. It's like, so you didn't get any time. Like, you dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I will say, so I did say, like, Jessica is the only characterization I really disliked in the movie. Mm. Um, I, I was sort of a little bit on the fence about Paul. I think he was good. I think he was well yeah. cast. I did feel like he could have maybe been a little stranger. Like, he did mm. come off as almost too much of a normal teenager. For somebody who has basically been trained to be a superhuman computer. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he was terrible. Because, again, I, Paul, you, I, I, Paul is a kid. Yeah, and I do like him as the 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 relative relatable everyman mm -hmm. in this story. Of, right, you know, and I feel like we would have, especially if Jessica had been had come off as more disciplined and more unusual, mm. that 
contrast because it's, yeah, it's, it's like we have saying. it's a little frustrating for me because in the script there's all these moments of her sort of you know training him and, and being like okay no you didn't do that quite right try again or mm -hmm. oh you didn't do that right but she comes off as less disciplined than him in a lot of ways like uh, yeah, and so saying. it's that's annoying. I, it, 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 what this comes down to, it feels like he could have been like acted and directed yeah. better. Like yeah, she yeah. is supposed to be better trained than him. He ends up surpassing her, but because she comes off as such a wimp early on, mm. him surpassing her doesn't come off as like a moment. Yeah, um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but that's really my only uh, my only complaint. I, I yeah, I loved the casting of Doctor Kynes. I thought that was really good. Um, I, I thought all the casting was really good. Because even, like, the actress, it came down to... I don't think she was miscast. Maybe she was a little young-looking. But I don't think she was miscast. I think it came down to choices that she and the director made together. Yeah. So, other than that, I, I feel like the casting was all really good. The visuals were great. I did wish... It felt a little dark. Like, it yeah. felt like there were a lot of times that I kept having to, like... I was watching on my laptop. <laughs> <Up> the brightness. <laughs> and I kept having to up the brightness because I was like, I literally can't see what's going on. I can't yeah. um, but Yeah, that might be a, a you know, movie trying to trying to hide the budget a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought the still suits looked really cool. Yeah. Um, it, 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 like, they, looked, I they looked less BDSM and more Geiger. Yeah. They, they looked, the, the Lynch one, they looked like, yeah, you know, yeah. Just kinky no, but I think that is interesting how it's like this. I, I, so, for me being an outsider, I would say, like, I think this movie is definitely worth watching, not even as a, oh, oh you gotta I, read the Dune books and you gotta no, read the yeah, books. You, you, can, you can absolutely tell what's going on without reading the book. Yeah, and it's not even like, oh, well, you, you know, you have to have a certain IQ. Like, no, it's a good ass, like, just watch it <laughs> as a. Like, incredible uh, uh, storytelling experience, incredible visuals, incredible... Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just a fun thing to just enjoy. And then afterwards, you can have the intellectual thing. But it's not like one of those things like, well, you just have to uh, be willing to spend your evening and read a couple of books for... Like, I don't think it does that. I think it really is accessible. And that's why I I'm giving it that uh, uh, RC recommendation on mm -hmm. my end, for sure. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I would absolutely watch it. I'm really excited for part two. Yeah. Um... Hopefully, yeah, that should be that should be interesting because shit starts getting like really <laughs> intense and weird and mystical in part two. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here with like, yeah, as much as I watch this movie, I'm like, you know, you know, a movie's good when it's making you wait for what happens next, right? You're like, oh my god, what else is gonna happen? Oh, and, and shout <laughs> out I don't to, know. I had pulled up the cast, so Sharon Duncan Brewster is the actress who played Leah Kynes, mm. so she was really good. Yeah, the the uh, most of the cast was just really good. And I do think, again, I don't think Rebecca Ferguson is a bad actress. I think she just made a choice that I didn't like. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. It just didn't fit what was what yeah. the character's text could have really represented as her character, as being a contrast to Timothy Chalamet's character, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, that feels like that's a, that about wraps it up. That about uh, wraps it up. This has been the Review a New Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want to support your boy, uh, ongoing, it's patreon.com slash rapcritic, uh, or for one-time donations and making requests, it's ko-fi.com slash rapcritic. Get with it, act like you want it. Uh, I'm going to be putting up some music next month on my, uh, Patreon exclusively. So if you are a patron, you get to hear some of the dope stuff I'm going to be working on, as well as, like, uh, demos and stuff that I have for, uh, some music that I'm doing because I'm trying to just do more stuff in my life. You know what I'm saying? Uh, trying to take advantage of this thing we call life in the 20, 21st century, you know? Um, so, yeah, yeah, support your boy. Do the dang thing. And uh, until next time, this has been the Review A New Podcast. I'm DJ. I'm Evan. And 